Welcome to the Voice Hacks Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Z. On the Voice Hacks Podcast, I'll be talking to some of rock and metal's best singers, coaches, and experts about what goes into the mysterious and amazing sounds we make with our voices. If you like this podcast, please help spread the word by sharing it with your friends, post our episodes on your Facebook and Instagram, and tag me and my guests. I'm at Metal Mary Z on Instagram. Don't forget to leave the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, follow me on YouTube at Voice Hacks by Mary Z. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. It's me, Instructor Mary Z. I am back once again with the Voice Hacks podcast. And today's guest I am delighted to have on. He is a an amazing clean singing vocalist with probably the only person I've ever met in real life with five octave range. And also he can do harsh vocals. His name is Carlos Zima. You guys probably know him from the bands Outworld, Vogan, and currently his current band, which is Immortal Guardian. He's originally from Brazil. And so a lot of you listening from South America might also know him. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me here. You know, this is a, a great honor. So originally you are from Brazil. And when did you come to the United States? How long have you been living in the United States? Since 2007. I came here first because of um, a contract with uh, the band Outworld. This is a vocal podcast, and you're an amazing vocalist, and quite frequently you are a vocal coach. You give clinics and master classes and, and private lessons to select people. I, I really respect your vocal knowledge, and obviously your technique is represented in um, the way that you execute everything. I, I mean, you sing amazingly, and you do harsh vocals. So you're about to go on tour with the Mortal Guardian, and, um, it, and it's so great because you guys are finally getting back to tours after the pandemic, and it's, it's really also, uh, you guys are going out with Paladin, who I think is another uh, band making waves uh, on your guys' level in the uh, North American like melodic metal scene that's that's really blowing up right now. And to see you guys go on the road together is great. But let's talk about like vocal technique stuff because yeah. you did a lot of amazing things on the Immortal Guardian record: high, super super highs, super super lows, harsh vocals. I mean, all of you guys in that band are going to be shredding on tour every night, flexing to the max. So as a vocalist, you you have a lot of touring experience so tell us about like what are some of the routines first start with like how would you prepare for a tour like this it's going to be like six weeks or something so yes yeah, so um uh, when i'm going for a run like this usually um i like to keep um the physical aspect of it at least like two months be prior to hitting the road you know i get i try to get my cardio up to date working out every day mm -hmm. but not only that try to sing the whole entire set twice every night you know twice every night you know the, when i first start to engage the the set i start doing long warm-ups usually you know maybe like half an hour 40 minutes half an hour uh warm-ups and I, I start to do, I do lots of, you know, on these warm-ups, lots of stretching and whatnot. But I try to sing the whole set in SLS when I first start. We're talking about speech level singing, a yes. certain vocal technique. And you mean in reference to volume. 
Yes, so okay. not not like super projecting loud or anything like that, but mm -hmm. already, already working with texture and also working the texture in regions that... Because some of the songs, for example, I record an album and then we're going to go on tour months later. When you finish an recording an album... The last thing you want to hear is your album, you know? So Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> you hard. You know how it is, yeah. Because you listen to it 300,000 times already and you're kind of used to it and whatnot. But there's a passion that stays on the back of your head. It's like listening to that song that you listened to a lot of times back in the day. Mm. So you get back to it. And there's several things with the vocal um, performance that are invo involved over here, right? The physical aspect, so no drinking or smoking during this period of time, you know, personally, that's how it works for me. Mm -hmm. I've never canceled a show because I couldn't perform, you know, so... You're lucky, though. I mean... Anything could have happened. Like, yeah. I've had uh, yeah. days on tours that I, I lost I lost my voice twice my whole life. Oh, my God. And those two times I was on tour, and I, I woke up in the morning, and I... My voice is gone. Oh, my God. And that was my day off. Oh, you got so lucky. Oh, my yeah, God. So but like you said, it's it. so hard. You have, a, you have a very specific routine and stuff still just happens. It you still know? happens, yeah. exactly. But um, having the routine happens with the recovery if it, anything happens. Yes, so yes, yes. It and also important. it makes those days like less severe. And less stressful. Yeah. You know, because vocally speaking... If you were in a high demand at the moment, singing three, four hours a night, because sometimes you, your set is not three or four hours, but you got to be yelling out out loud through a loud mute, PA while talking to people on the merch table. And those things aggravate to a certain point where even if your technique is up to date to a certain point, your vocal stress cannot upkeep with the demand you know mm -hmm. so i try to uh rest my you know my vocal folds as much as i can while i'm on tour but one on the preparation as well try to keep it hydrated uh sometimes i do uh the mist that i uh, honestly started doing because it was one of your tips yes and so what you're referring to are these like handheld cool mist nebulizers that i use that yeah. provide saline mist for inhalation because the best thing to do to moisturize the cords is to inhale uh the moisture we're not going to get too into that but on my youtube channel i talk about stuff like that's inhaling steam moisture and there are handheld yeah. devices you can bring on the road and those so moisturizing the cords is on your list of things that you do that's really cool yeah so uh, in the you know as this last album of uh, uh immortal guardian we've had uh, you know several songs that i'm i'm kind of flexing on the on the highs on, on, the, on the ranges yeah you know? yeah i think this was the first time i've ever recorded six octaves you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, because certainly uh, there's some notes you hit in the sixth octave. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, certainly. And then, uh, so that that being said, you know, we had a, a few um, of the songs that are a little bit more demanding uh, vocally. Also on the aggressive side, because we we're singing uh, some of our songs that have growls and everything. Mm -hmm. So when I first start to engage the set... You know, I do it in a speech level singing, just like very, 
no forced too, too much projection too, just on the like on like the a fair, medium volume piano you know just sing piano you know in in forte you know not very many times just go with it go with the flow and the, i'd always like to do that because it's like when you are an athlete and you want to run i don't know like 20 miles per hour you know you just don't go straight from being on the sedentary yes aspect straight into running full force you know you're gonna be jogging first for a few days you're gonna do lots of stretches vocally speaking i treat it just like that you know as yeah. an as an athlete in the past and as a singer i consider myself an athlete of the voice you know yes. so You gotta keep it healthy. You gotta keep it consistent, also, because the exercises that you're having, be preparing yourself to the tour, are vital to your performance on the tour. You know, yes, yeah. Because, for example, we're gonna be doing a six-week run with two days off. Mm -hmm. That being said, yeah. If I'm not on the top of my game, I'm for sure gonna be having a, a day where. I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, I'm not 20 year old anymore, you know, and also, you know, I got to keep up with uh, performing full on driven to the max yeah. performance, like mm -hmm. top performance for uh, the whole entire set every night. It's going to be a lot. And, and, and that's why you have to be uh, on your game. Cause you, you hit a point that I always say is that it's more like being an athlete than being a musician when you're a vocalist in a lot of ways. Definitely is. Yeah. You know, you, you gotta be also able to be the interpreter you know, mm. every night, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I think that the, the sing as a singers, we, we get to to live those emotions, you know, like intensely mm. every night. So I think there's a little extra drainage of energy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you give yourself so much every night, you know. This is how I personally uh, like to do. I mean, I, I respect every artist in a, in a way that they want to express their art, you know. Yep. But at the same time, uh, when I perform, I like to give my 100% every note you know so mm -hmm. when you practice like that you practice the sets two times every night when you go on tour and you're singing the set once a night mm. feels great you know so you're so way I, like sort of over prepared I, almost. Oh, I, I always like to over prepared because there is a difference between being ready And being prepared. Ah, this is a really good point. I agree with you that. Yeah. 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 So that's that's how, how I personally see it. Not only because uh, on the on the physical aspect of the vocalization, you know, the emotional part of it. You know, I don't know mm -hmm. if it's just with me, but I almost feel like you know when you when you feel angry, too angry, mm -hmm. where you you feel your voice change mm -hmm. like when you're emotionally attached to mm -hmm. what you're doing vocally that's how we develop our bad habits you know because we have that emotional attachment to that contraction of the voice or to the expansion yes. of that the certain point and the projection and everything gets gets influenced by that so i think like vocally There's a bigger preparation, you know, like with the Motor Guardian, 
I get very emotionally attached, you know, to yeah, the, you to write the interpretation. Yeah, because you write the songs and the exactly, lyrics. and you know. It feels different, you know. Immortal Guardian is um, very, very different. So, But on the, on the vocal aspect of things, I like warming up because it has always prevented me from having a con vocal contusion. You absolutely, know. absolutely. You you have like a lot of methods. You don't just get out there and do it every night. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people come to my lessons and I'm sure they've come to your lessons and they just expect there to be, you know, the funniest thing to me is like people almost expect, not everybody, people who take it a little more seriously don't expect this. I think people look at singers and they think that there's just like a magic thing that unlocks a thing but it really isn't it just comes down to like obviously like the person who has talent natural ability if they put some more effort into it um they can get a little bit ahead but even the people that's why i'm always saying hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard because even someone with sort of like a little natural talent if they're expecting something to like magically unlock it's not going to. And people have almost acted like suspicious of me. Like I'm not telling them like the, the, the trick or whatever. You know, but the truth is there is no trick. There's no trick. You just raw practice. And some of the things you're talking about, raw hard work, warming up every night, living sort of like a boring, disciplined lifestyle on the road. I, I always tell people it kind of sucks to be the singer on the road. Uh, if you party hard, you're not gonna, you know, I've partied hard with some guys and they've lost their voice, you know, um, I've seen it happen on the roads, you know, where they lost their voice like two days into it. Cause they're just like hard partiers. This is a kind of crisis that every singer faces sometimes in their career where they're trying to discover their tone. Yes. Yeah. You know, we like, I almost feel like still to this day, I'm, I'm still working on, you know, Oh, it never ends. It never ends. I'm always telling people uh, it's finished, not perfect. I have a lot of students who are like, well, should I would want, they want to wait to join a band until, uh, so, so like in their first lessons, that's fine. But now a year or two later into lessons, I'm like, you can join that band now. <laughs> but they think, you know, they got to wait. But if you wait, you'll be waiting forever. You've put out a tons and tons of records and you still feel like there's stuff you're after. Exactly. 28 albums, you know. Yeah. And there's still stuff you're after yeah. vocally and things you're trying to achieve. And it's finished, not perfect. Exactly. So we got a lot of work to do as far as, you know, being a singer, you know. And uh, in this student of mine, he is a super talented singer, uh, super, super talented. Um, he came down and he was like, man, yeah, you know, you're bringing me the uh, all the uh, the tools here to work with and everything. And now listen to this. And he was listening to... Uh, uh, Axel Rudy Pell at the time. Oh, Axel Rudy Pell. Yeah, wow. Axel Rudy Pell. And it was Jeff Scott Soto, you know. Oh, yeah. Jeff Scott Soto, the, uh, you yeah. know, just is an amazing singer. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we worked together with this student of mine and me. We worked together for like three years. Wow. Okay. The end of the, this third year, actually, when I was going to join, out, join Outworld, he. It joined Heaven's Garden, replacing me. Oh, cool! You know, because I asked him to. You know. Oh, cool! So, That's neat. That's neat. Yeah. So he one day he came down. And he was like, "Man, I, I'm doing the same exact thing that you taught me to. The same technique right now, but I do not sound like Jeff Scott Soto." <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I told him, "Man, I know it's it's bad because." Uh, I try to do the same exact thing 
every morning, man, and it does. I don't sound like him either. And then he goes, "So why do we learn this technique?" And uh, and that's, I told that's a him, good question, right? I told him the reason why, man, is because that will remind you that you are not Jeff Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, he was super frustrated. But what what I tell what I told him and I, what I you know I usually tell my students is that uh, discovering your own voice is almost like discovering Jeff Scott Soto when he first started singing and he wanted to sound like Bruce Dickinson. Right. You know, right. so it's like imagine where what the struggle that he had until he discovered what was his voice, you know. Yes. So the 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 way that I honestly ask every singer is to do is discover your tones as you are discovering a new singer, you know. Try to like to sing the notes and not the timbre, mm -hmm. because if you try to sound like Bruce Dickinson, it's like your your throat is yes. is a hard drive full of data, you know, in in muscle memory signals. Yes. So if you're gonna try to sound like Bruce Dickinson physiologically, you're gonna force your throat. Yes to be in a position where it was not meant to. So you're contracting one side more than the other or you're doing stupid things with the, the physical aspect of your folds. Yes. Try to copy the same size of the pocket of resonance that gives yes. Bruce Dixon his voice or Jeff Scott Soto or Jorn Lund, any other singer out there where you get in a position where you're trying to sound like somebody, you know, and that for a fact might sound like here and there, like the other singer, if you were really good in imitating, but at the end of the day, that's going to just cause another bad habit on your singing. Yeah. Anytime you try to you know? imitate someone else's tone to literally like, I, we can teach people styles. Like this is rock style. This is not opera, like whatever. But the rest of the tone is going to be just your own natural voice tone. You can't. And like you said, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. If you try to impersonate someone else's tone, um, I mean, you can belt and they're also belting, but the way that you sound doing it will be different because it's totally individualized, unfortunately. And so you can do the same technique, but like, like you said, it's not the same. It's, it's you. It's not the guy. And the other thing um, that you nailed in there is when you start imitating things because you can't directly make your tone someone else's, um, you do start doing weird stuff that, that isn't giving you actually your own best natural resonance and it's doing weird yep. things. Things to tighten your throat. The the worst thing that I see that people do, and, and and a lot of male vocalists do this, and they have absolutely no idea that they're doing the it. The yearning, the yarling, yarling, yarling. <laughs> like see the nineties <laughs> for this, because um, this is a thing a lot of male vocalists do, and people with dark voices is they hear other dark voices or male voices, and they try to in darken it, make it more right when when in its natural form. It's actually quite dark. You don't. I had just had a student the other day where I was like, "You don't have to round 
it at all. Like your voice is dark and robust. He didn't have a bright voice at all. And, yeah. I, and, and I was like, you actually kill your resonance when you're doing these. So, it, they don't realize that sometimes people aren't even doing it on purpose. So I'm not trying to go too hard on them because some of the guys that they just hear a guy, they're just repeating what they think they're hearing. They don't know they're like yarling, you know, and they don't know that when you go, like that you're like doing some weird stuff to your jaw and your larynx and you're actually like killing your resonance in the quest or the other one I hear is like the Michael McDonald thing um, that a lot of male vocalists do in rock it's it's just it's another type of yarling thing it's not as clenched in the jaw but it's like a rounding Mm. like like this kind of like oh yeah like this kind of vertical rounding like i said i think of michael mcdonald you know yeah uh uh, uh, not to dog on him because he sold a lot more records than i have um but he has this rounding thing and if you try to sound like him you know again you just you're forcing your larynx out of position and so the hardest thing i think for a vocalist has become zen and accepting about your range and your tone i mean once you've got the technique to allow your natural resonance to shine that's really all you can do like you cannot change the color of it you have to like accept the timbre of the voice you know yeah there are though a few cases where i usually say that there is always a true tone Mm -hmm. or a true timbre to Mm -hmm. your voice and the bad habits on forcing these weird positions like you were saying Mm -hmm. to achieve some uh, weird sounds they rely on tissues a lot they're not going to be the same every day, you know? Let me give an example. Mm, that's true. If you're projecting it correctly, you're going to hit the walls on your folds, on your vestibulars, and it's going to project over your soft, behind your soft palate or the way you're belting is going to just position correctly on your hard palate. But every way that you project with full projection, with, you know, with just enough push to get that beautiful tone out and everything, even if you wake up and you're not in a great day, you are going to be able to project that because you are doing it with enough structure and projection Mm. to be able to do it every day of your life. Yeah. Now, if you are working with extreme uh, contraction points or extreme expansion expanding points or extreme either super high or super low epiglottis proje- uh, p- positioning mm-hmm. or anything that you're working with your soft palate is completely contract or completely expand or any of those cases where mm-hmm. you're doing the yarling or any of the yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can hear like that, like it, it, when you when you tighten the jaw like that, it like kind of kills some of the resonance. The larynx moves out of position, and like you said, that will make you extremely inconsistent. Exactly. Live. But, but you, know, you know, some singers get the uh, the weird weirdness of theirs and make their career out of it. You go, like yeah, you they were just saying. lock into the weirdness. Yeah, well, like Dave Mustaine, uh, Smashing yeah. Pumpkins, you know. But they didn't try to be anything else. They just kind of accepted. Exactly. The, they had yeah. to do get to that Zen acceptance point of like, yeah. this is my timbre. This is what I can do with it. Exactly. Like you mentioned Smashing Pumpkins. Like a lot of people tell me and they don't like Billy Corgan. They, th- You know, even though, again, he's a legend, sold a lot more records than I have. But he... Um, 
has a timbre that thousands of people liked, you know, because he just let it be. So for everybody that's annoyed by it, there's 10,000 people that will show up and buy the tickets for the show and bought yeah, the record, you know? Definitely. Uh, and, and I feel similarly, like you can go all the way back in history and see people like that. And I call a lot of those people like stylists yes. almost more than vocalists. Yeah, because, you know, as singers, mm -hmm. we, you're right about that. We have, um, you know, the, um, the most artistic of the instruments because we have the only instruments that had our has the real sound signet our sound signature mm -hmm. to it you know so um i almost say like for you know on, on my students and uh some of the the people that i've you know had uh been coached by and uh coaches that I've have ever uh, had an experience to work with um, always said that uh, the best singer is the one that finds in every region of his range the uh, best timbers, you know? Yes, that's it. That's so be important. Be yes, because like if you hear like Halford, for example, mm -hmm. you see that his lows always have that same sort of projection. His mids and his highs are every time the same in that specific region in terms of dynamic, mm -hmm. in terms of timbre, you know, in terms of projection, because he find he found his perfect tone in every region, yes. and he just rides those awesome tones in every region that he sings, you know. So yes. that I think being a singer in terms of timbre requires not only artistship. But it does require a lot of, you know, persistence, you yeah, know, and repetition. Yeah, especially if you plan to do a and, lot of variety of styles. Yeah, I yeah. think the most, like, very importantly and vital to every singer is recording yourself, you know, record yourself as, as painful much as, as it can. is. Exactly. <laughs> you have to get over it. The first time yeah. I warned everybody, oh, it's so painful. Yeah to hear yourself uh, I mean it really is my first recordings were just agonizing but then like again you get past that you get to this zen point where you can sort of look at it as objectively because you're like oh that's not in the right pocket or and this is why changing the key is super important because within your own vocal range you'll have these pockets that where it actually sounds a little bit better there's plenty of things that are like on paper in your range but like don't sound as good so like maybe theoretically like I have a low voice and I can go down and sing like Da, 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 da. like okay like yeah i can hit those pitches but does yeah. that sound great like is that where i actually want to sing yeah, not really exactly and so yeah. uh, it's not like my ideal pocket so there's a lot of times where, like something's in your vocal range but that doesn't sound the best like your best tones in that style in that range so i'll move that key up so that those notes are more like da 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 da. So it still sounds low and warm, but in a much better pocket where my tone sounds better. Yeah. You know, something like that. And same thing with the highs. I'll bring them down just to have a low voice to fit where it's high for me. You know, I'll change the key. But yeah, I can strain or I can do the highs in my voice on the on the same pitches but it's not going to be belted so it won't sound the same as the original vocalist and yeah, exactly. it's not going to sound as good yeah. and I have to move the key 
to do it in the pocket of my range where it was for the original vocalist, and that's probably not in the same key, unless you also happen to have a soprano voice or whatever. You know, it just depends. And um, I think this is so important for people to understand. Yeah. On the timbre aspect of, uh, you know, every singer, there is a lot of hours, you know, involved, you know. Even for, you know, the supposedly uh, very distinct tones that we talked about, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Smashing Pumpkins, Megadeth, and and whatnot. You see s several other ones, you know, that work with uh, high friction on soft palate, like uh, Udo or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ACDC, Accept, mm -hmm. you know. When you work um, with uh, those singers, for example... You, you're probably thinking to yourself, like, how the heck that guy just came out? Okay, let's just sing like this. And, black and black! And right. then you're going to be, you're, it's going to be cool, man. You know, like, imagine when he first sung the first word. Like, probably what was like he that. thinking? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, it certainly did not came out like that out, out of nowhere. No. He worked on... On, on like every possible way to have a friction into his you know grit you know? Mm -hmm. and he worked that in in a comfortable spot after trying it out for like 500 times because i'm pretty sure have high voices and they had to right? do it in a high place where a lot of exactly. like me, a lot of men aren't singing in the range of udo or or uh brian johnson or any of those raspy high voice guys yeah. you know they also had to settle into like that their grit wasn't going to be down here you know like yeah. they had to like resign they actually had to just own their kind of high bright voice and then find the pocket. But what you see in all these people is uh, once they own what they have, you know, people think it's great. But they if, take the world. Yeah, they could, you know, they could sit around. Udo could sit around and be like, ah, oh, you know, I wish I had a deep, low voice or whatever. But he doesn't and he can't change that exactly. And um, he he doesn't have that. And uh, so but he rather than fighting it, he owns it. You know, you just got to double down. And whatever you have, and that does kind of suck. At the same time, we talked about you can move the key. Like I think one of the best examples of a successful person moving the keys. But the more famous someone is, the more I actually hear them moving the key and stuff. But um, is like Yern, Yern. We we're talking about him before. A lot of Americans call him Yorn, Yorn Landa, but it's really Yern, Yern Landa. He is a, a Norwegian guy um, and a singer from um, Master Plan, and he's even toured with Ingve and stuff. But he's got a baritone like a slightly high baritone voice with a lot of color and darkness and grit and what yearn does is he does all these like covers some of them are female pop songs like he did um i know there's something going on and that was like a female pop song from the 80s like i can't it this is a really high bright voice person and he also did a cover of um i walk alone of taria yeah i walk alone and that that was a soprano song and and certainly yearn is not a soprano and he lowers those songs pretty far to some really low tunings and he sounds badass and the thing is everyone raves about the version and 
talks about how good his rendition of XYZ is, uh, whatever song, but most of it's in a totally different key, totally moved to be in his pocket, and that's why it sounds badass, and like the audience doesn't even know that's a thing, really. They don't understand ranges and keys, they just understand if it sounds badass or not, and everybody loves Yearn, and so... When he does that, it's a great example of like, you got to move it to your pocket because if he tried to do those songs in the original key, it would be ridiculous. It'd be impossibly high or an octave down. It'd be at a low spot where it like, yeah, it'd be in his range, but not where he sounds the best, not where he can do some high belting and all the cool things he likes to do. So definitely like that's a great example and the more professional people i see you know the more i teach if you watch idol shows and um mask singer and all and the voice and stuff like all those pro bands are actually moving the keys of a lot of those songs to match the singers like a lot of the stuff we're seeing is not in the original key a lot of high voice people that tour even if they're amazing technical vocalists their bands playing down a whole step people like ed sheeran he's got like a ridiculously high voice he always kind of capos himself down a whole step usually he's not trying to do that live so even some of the people who are kind of getting their pocket in the studio they're kind of putting it in a slightly better pocket live sometimes even so it's not just covers it's originals too and and so it's really important to like move the pitches around to fit you and to have the instrumentalists you play with do that because you can't force stuff to be in your pocket that's written in a different spot. And this took me years to figure out, having a low voice of like, why don't I sound like this and that? But I was trying to do things in like soprano keys and it, it wouldn't, couldn't possibly fit the right pocket for me, you know? So this has been amazing having you on. Oh, it's, it's, it's an honor for me to be here with the legendary Mary Z. Oh, well, you're a legend, Mr. Z, Carlos Zima, and I, I'm so proud to have you in my life. And um, yes, yeah, so for everybody who we, we are engaged, he's my fiance, so <laughs> we're getting married. And um, But he is a legitimately amazing vocalist in his own right, and I think you guys should check out everything we talked about. Many of you are already familiar with him and his work, but thank you so much, Carlos, for being on the Voice Hacks podcast. So you can find me on Instagram. is Carlos underscore Zima. And my band is Immortal Guardian. Mm-hmm. And I also have uh, Heaven's Guardian. If y'all want to go check it out. And uh, YouTube is Carlos Zima, my YouTube channel. My Facebook is Carlos Zima as well. So feel free to go in and check it out. I got, you know, hundreds of uh, videos and whatnot, old and new stuff. I hope y'all like the, the new album. The new album came out. We're on the charts. Uh, Immortal Guardian metal, album. Yeah. All over the place. So it's uh, being accepted well. Thank you all so much for uh, listening to it and uh, supporting it. We, uh, you know, we couldn't be, you know, happier with the, what we're getting from the new album. Thank you all so very much. And thank you again. That wraps up this episode of the Voice Hacks podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. 